This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here, Coochie's Corner Podcast, coming to you guys with episode, I guess we're going to call this 27, even though technically I started 27. We just never released it because I never finished it. But, um, wow, what a lot to talk about. You know, the last episode I think we did was Bristol. There is a, um, there will be a Homestead in Martinsville podcast that I'll, um, you know, release at some point here in the next uh few days as we get going um into this off season i just want to make sure that we have something to kind of go back and put a bow on the you know the races i was going to go back and do um we we are not going to do episodes for um the ones that we didn't do i just i feel like you know it's too far back in the um you know it's just too far back to go back and try to redo it. So we're just going to kind of leave things the way they are. Um, so let's, let's get into championship, uh, weekend. You know, you had a lot going on, on, on Friday with the truck race. I, we could spend a whole episode talking about the shit show. That was that truck race. It was, uh, absolutely atrocious to, anybody that's an NASCAR fan or anybody that's in the industry. I mean, it's a straight up joke. Um, it's an embarrassment. I mean, I think the end of that race was probably worse than most ARCA races I've seen in my, in my career. And I've seen a lot of bad ARCA races. Um, it's just, you know what it is. It's, it's a product of of the way these kids are brought up these days. They're not, they're not taught to drive with respect. They're not taught to drive. Um, they're just not taught to drive with respect. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. I think these guys today are just, you know, they'll crash through anybody to win a race or to gain a spot. They don't really care about what the ramifications could be if uh, if there are any for them, uh, you know, doing that. So I, I think in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of problems with the way the guys are being brought up and, and how maybe some of the lower – series are being managed or not managed in a lot of cases, um, or policed, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that, you know, mom and dad got a lot of money and they sponsor the series or they sponsor a car or they sponsor, you know, a really good car, really fast car for these kids to go out there and learn how to drive. And they're not damn good at it. And that's where some of the problem is. And then, you know, when some of these guys get into these upper series, this is where their problem is, and this is where they're going to struggle. And this is where I think, you know, honestly, we're going to see more and more of this wreck festing kind of thing going on in the truck series because, unfortunately, you know, ARCA doesn't pay what it used to. Um, you know, it hasn't paid that that really great sum of money that it, that it should be paying because it's a – it's a feeder series, but the problem is, is that there's not a ton of money out there for guys to go out and, and run ARC anymore. I mean, it seems like these days, most of the kids are going, um, 
you know, late model racing, and then they go either straight to X, you know, they go into Arca and run some Arca, and then they go either straight to Xfinity, or there are some that are still going to truck route, but the truck series is, is kind of have, has been bypassed in a lot of instances. I mean, you look at Josh Berry, Josh Berry ran a couple truck races after he was already in the Xfinity series. So that doesn't really count. Ty Gibbs never stepped foot in a truck. Um, you know, we obviously, we know William Byron was in a truck. Ryan Blaney was in a truck. Um, you know, but then you, you, you look at the other, at the flip side of guys and gals that have been in the truck series that have run trucks and then ran better once they got an Xfinity. If you look at, you know, Harrison Burton ran like garbage in a, in a KBM truck. Then he gets in a Joe Gibbs racing Xfinity car and goes out and wins races. So there's some of that that goes on. And and I think that's why a lot of people with, you know, if you look at Haley Deegan and what she's going to be doing next year, she's going to go drive for AM racing. She's going to jump in an Xfinity car. And a lot of people bring up that one race she did a couple of years ago with uh, SS Greenlight Racing in the 07 car. And she went out and ran 17th in her Xfinity Series de debut at Las Vegas, which is not an easy track to learn how to drive. And I think the weird thing is that Haley never ran Xfinity this year. You know, they put her in a car last year, which really was what kind of led some conversation in the offseason to her possibly looking at going Xfinity racing this upcoming season. I mean, this past season. But she, you know, the funding wasn't there and Ford decided it was better to spend their money with her in another year of trucks and put her with Thor Sport, which on paper should have been a very good season for her. Should have been, you know, a breakout year. She should have won races. She should have been competing for this championship for. Instead, she was getting wrecked like she has in every other team she's been with. And she looks mediocre at best. Now, I will give her the benefit of the doubt. We will see what happens with this Xfinity Series season for her, and we'll see if she ends up, you know, where she she needs to be. But I just – I don't get my hopes up for her because of the car she's going in. It's – it's. I, I, I know that, you know, teams like AM Racing, RSS Racing, these are, are, you know, your bottom end of the top 10 to 20th place teams, depending on the week and, and, and you know – the track and stuff like that. These, these teams can sometimes run up there and compete for a top 10 on like a short track or, you know, like a Dover or someplace where maybe the driver, uh, I mean, where the driver is more of an, you know, an advantage than the equipment, right? Cause a lot of these places you go to a mile and a half track, like the equipment sort of plays a factor. So like, you know, when Brett Moffitt goes to Las Vegas and runs like 25th, you know, in the, in the AM racing car, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, like look at Haley Deegan or, you know, 30th, you know, and they're going to complain about that. But you look at the equipment that they're driving, that they're racing versus the other things that they have going for them. Like they have the horsepower, they have the, the Roush Yates motors. It's just, they don't have the cars with the latest technologies. They get a car that's maybe two or three years old and you're racing with that. You don't have the car that, you know, was 10 or 15 you know, a car that was built maybe between 10 and 15, let's say, you know, 2010 and 2015 going up against cars that were built, let's say 2022, you know, so there's, there's night and day differences when you look at, um, things such as, um, you, you know, when the chassis were built and things like that. So 
those things do matter in the grand scheme of things. And I think that those are things that sometimes get lost in, in a, in a, um, you know, in, in a discussion when you're talking about drivers, but you look at this year, like Haley Deegan was in trucks that just went out and won a championship. So, um, you know, again, how much does that really say about Haley? I mean, maybe for Haley, the truck series isn't for her. And I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't think the truck series is for everybody. And there are some people that the truck series is perfect for. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, how maybe a driver like a Bubba Wallace gets his confidence was being in the truck series. You know, Bubba didn't like the world on fire in k and I mean, I think he might've won a race or two in k and but he didn't go and he wasn't like a K&N pro series champion. He wasn't a spectacular driver. He goes out in Kyle Busch's trucks in those 54 trucks. And he goes out and gets a couple wins. He won at Martinsville. Um, he won a couple other places, but you look at Bubba's career in the truck series. He's got a couple wins. I think he's got three career wins or something like that. So, you know, and then you go in Xfinity, obviously no career wins in Xfinity and, and the two cup wins, but you look at Bubba's racing career as he's grown, um, you know, the truck series were pivotal. But like I said, there are guys and gals where they go run the truck series and it's not pivotal in their career and they, it didn't help them. Um, you know, you didn't see Danica go that route. Okay, you want to go down that road. Danica Patrick did not go and run a truck race. She went and ran K&N and then they threw her right in an ARCA car and then they threw her right into uh, Nationwide, you know, in Cup. So it depends on the driver. It depends on what their, I hate to use the word handlers, but that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to what their handlers want them to do. It comes down to the people that are in charge of directly in charge of their development, what they want that driver to do. So getting back to where this all kind of intermingles is, is back to what we saw Friday night. Some of these drivers, their, their management companies and their development folks that are giving them advice, whether it's guys like Ron Hornaday or whomever, I, I kind of put the blame on those people because they're the ones that should be telling these drivers, listen, you know, you really got to hone your race craft. You really got to do this guy, do that. And these guys, a lot of these kids, when they're coming up, they're racing like shitheads at 15 and 16. And then they, they don't get, they don't get any better because unfortunately there's not, you know, there are guys like Bubba Powell that, that goes out and runs super late models and, and pro late models and things like that. But there's not a lot of guys that are veteran drivers that go down and run the late model ranks. So these kids, when they get to late models, are are a mess, you know. Um, and and I get it, you know. Emotions get the better of all of us, right? We've all had moments where we gotten frustrated and and we're so mad at the world that we want to go beat somebody's face in. But there are people that do it, and then there are people that don't do it, you know. And that's kind of like what happens in the truck series a lot. There's guys that are very angry, you know, and and do stupid things, and then there's people that want to do something stupid and don't do it. The problem is, is that the, when that one driver gets mad and does something about it, he takes out innocent bystanders in the, in the process. So, you know, you look at, you know, the, the little feud that Josevar and, and Corey Heim had, you know, they're both racing for a championship. What Carson did or didn't do, um, you know, to Heim take time enough of enough off to take out Josevar. And, you know, ruin a couple other people's nights. So I think when you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at the big picture in that instance, you know, that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. And I think that, um, 
a lot of that has to do with, like I said, the policing or lack thereof policing in some of the lower series or the lack thereof policing in ARCA and trucks. Um, and I think there's a lot of not policing it in the truck series. I mean, you know, you see it a little bit in late models where they, they have those rules where, you know, you wreck a guy or there's contact, you're involved in the accident, you get moved to the back of the field. Well, you don't really see that in NASCAR. You know, if Corey Heim and Hosovar were both involved in that first accident, they both should have been moved to the back of the field, right? So if they're going to have their little skirmish, they can have it back there where basically they're not going to take anybody else out. Because now if you let them go bicker, they could be taking out a bunch of cars or trucks, you know, depending on what series they're in. So I just think that the policing has got to get a little bit better. And I know NASCAR claims they're going to do that, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's what these kids are learning at the lower ranks, you know, when they're driving legend cards, when, uh, cars, when they're driving, you know, the late models, different late model series. Um, you know, it, it's those series that are the developmental series that should be doing a better job of teaching the respect that aspect of it and being like, hey, this is not how we race, you know, and I think that needs to really resonate with these kids because, you know, at the end of the day, the, the people that, f that suffer the most from this is, is the, it's the sponsors. It's the, it's the teams and, and it's the fans because you have a product that's supposed to be really great, supposed to be exciting but you've now gone down the the avenue that it's a crash fest. It's a, it's a demolition derby. And that's not what anybody wants. Nobody wants to have a crash fest at, at the championship race, you know, and, and it kind of reminded me a little bit about what happened between Ricky Stenhouse jr. And I think it was Scott speed, uh, in an ARCA championship back in, I want to say 2008, 2009, somewhere in that time frame. And those two idiots wrecked each other going for the championship. And they handed it to, I think it was Justin Allgaier that year because those two idiots decided to wreck each other. So yes, there is, there is times where guys make mistakes and those things do happen. But then you have the poop show that was on, on Friday night with the uh, truck series race. And, and, and it was just an awful product to watch. And then, you know, to hear all the drivers afterwards, like cup guys, Xfinity guys, other truck drivers, you know, I'm so embarrassed, you know, this is not how it's supposed to be. And, and, you know, then we saw a decent product. Or I would say a decent product on, um, on, um, Saturday, you know, we saw a good Xfinity race, which is what I expected. I mean, I figured, I figured the Xfinity series because of the cars, because of the, drivers that are in that championship four, we weren't going to see a mess. You know, it's not like Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs were going up against each other. Cause then I'd be a little bit concerned. I'd be like, Oh, I really hope they learn their lesson. But you know, Sam Mayer was, was pretty respectful. And, and I think the final restart having those four guys going for the championship was like what you wanted. It was the polar opposite of what happened Friday night. Um, and you know, it was just a great race. And then Sunday was spectacular. It, it was Sunday's championship race was the best gen next gen or gen seven, whatever you want to call it race. They've had at Phoenix. Okay. It's not the greatest race they've ever had at Phoenix. I don't want someone that to, to, to try to put words in my mouth. It is the greatest gen seven slash next gen race they've ever had at that track, but it is still not where it should be in my opinion either, but we'll get into that. 
But, um, you know, congratulations to the champions. Ben Rhodes won the Truck Series Championship on Friday night, did not have to win the race, had some damage, had to overcome that, but um, a big, a big win for him. His second uh, Truck Series Championship, and really, you know, I think it kind of makes the, the 2021 not so fluky looking. Um, you know, he goes out and wins the championship. Obviously, didn't have the season that he wanted to have. He didn't have a ton of wins on the year, but he did go out and get the win that matters the most, which is the uh, championship win at Phoenix, you know, and he just beat out the other three guys, and that's all he had to do. So kudos to Ben Rhodes. It's second career Craftsman Truck Series championship. And then, obviously, on Saturday, we had that epic battle between Justin Allgaier, Sam Mayer, um... And obviously, <laughs> drawing the blank here, um, Cole Custer, and I'm trying to remember who the hell the other driver was, John Hunter Nemechek. The, you know, only the guy that won, like, you know, I knew Cole won the championship. But I was just trying to think about who the hell else was in there, John Hunter Nemechek. But, you know, that was a pretty epic battle, but we'll get into that in a little bit, too. And then, obviously, Sunday, Ryan Blaney comes out and wins the championship for the uh, Cup Series, so a big a big sweep of the driver championships for Ford. Uh, Chevrolet swept all the manufacturer championships um, as far as the series go. So uh, kudos to Ford on the driver championship sweep. And then I guess kudos to Chevrolet on sweeping the manufacturer uh, titles in all three series. First time I think they've done that uh, in a little while. So a big, uh, big weekend for both of those brands, Toyota yet again bridesmaid on everything so um yeah it's a crazy weekend but we got a lot to break down a lot to get to a lot of news to get to uh i know some people are trying to figure out what's going on in silly season we still don't know exactly what's happening with the 16 cup car uh it sounds like ty Dill dylan's gonna end up in that seat and it's probably more funding related than any of us thought it was um, we'll get into that. We will get into what's going on with the 10 car. I know a lot of people have heard Noah Gregson to the 10. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I think Noah going to the 10 is, is kind of like, you know, the guys back in the day, like the Greg Biffles and the Matt Kenseths and the David Reagans of the world, maybe not David Reagan, but at least the Biffles of the world that did not want to go into a garbage car to just stay around in that, in the cup series. It sounds like Noah prefers to stay cup versus going out and trying to, you know, do what Cole Custer did, which is go down and, and improve yourself in Xfinity again, which I think Noah would do fine at. I, I don't think Noah would struggle with that, especially if he got in the right car. If he got in that call, like, you know, 11 car next year, I think he'd be freaking phenomenal in there. You know, I don't think the problem with that 11 car is Daniel Hemrick. I think the problem with that 11 car is, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think the problem with the 11 car is the 11 car. I think it was the driver. And I think we're going to find that out when he goes cup racing next year. You know, you're going to see that 31 car is going to run just as crappy as it did, if not a little bit worse than when Justin was in it. But, you know, again, it comes down to funding and all kinds of other things. And, you know, they both wanted to go different directions. So that's what happened there with, with Colleague. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think next year is going to be a big struggle bus for that team. So we got a lot to get to here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We'll take a quick break, and we'll get it all started right after this.
What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Vale here at Coochie's Corner Podcast. I want to share with you guys a great deal that I have for you. You guys know I collect a lot of die casts and a lot of NASCAR apparel. So where do I go to get all my stuff? Well, I deal with my friend Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. They have all the latest race win die casts. They even have this past race uh, weekend's race win on the website right now. So go check it out. Coochie's Corner has a discount code for all of our listeners. If you go in the promo code box, so let's say you order this past weekend's race win die cast, you use Crew Chiefs Corner, all one word. You get $5 off all U.S. Continental orders over $30 or more. It's a great deal, even today. Five bucks off shipping. I mean, shipping's gone through the roof. So go check out my friends Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get five bucks off your shipping order. All U.S. orders over 30 bucks. You get $5 off your shipping costs. So go check them out. Let them know we sent you. Order away at your favorite race win die cast. And it doesn't have to be race win die cast. It could be whatever die cast you want. They have stuff in stock from probably last year and years past. They have all the stuff on pre-order for this current season as well. So go check it out. CircleBDieCast.com. Let them know I sent you. All right, guys, we are back here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. This is Bobby Bailey. We are now going to break down, I guess, officially the truck race. I'm going to get off the, the soapbox and talking about all these kids and how terrible they were on Friday night. We'll get down to the X's and O's of the race. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a caution-laden event. So, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It was pretty bad. I think it was 77 of the 150 laps were under caution, so that's pretty bad when almost 50 over 50% of the race is under caution. That's, that's really bad. Um, but w- what can you say about Ben Rhodes? I mean, he survived, he, he persevered kind of like how this season was for him. You know, it, it didn't look great at the beginning of the season when him and rich, uh, luscious were kind of separated. And a lot of people kind of are like, I don't know if this is really a great idea, but Thor sport had to put their best crew chief behind Haley Deegan for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, you bring, you're bringing her in, Ford's giving you guys all this money to to put this deal together and to bring you know you guys back to the fold. You sort of have to put your 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 best foot forward here at least, and I think that was what the the idea was of this, but that's not how it ended up being. So I think at the end of the day, you know, they ended up switching the crew chiefs around. And they ended up putting Rich back with Ben Rhodes, so that Ben Rhodes could go out and at least you know go on some kind of a run. And what does he do? He goes out and survives each of the rounds, and he goes out and wins. The championship. Now he doesn't win the race. The race was won by um <laughs> Christian Eckes. I almost forgot who won the damn race. But uh great late race restart by Christian Eckes. He goes out and, and and proves why next year Christian's gonna be a threat for the championship. And I think that, you know, him, Ben Rhodes, um, I would put down in my championship four for Phoenix for next year because I think that these are drivers that are going to be perennial contenders in the truck series. I think MHR has figured something out. Now, I know GMS is going is out of business now. GMS and, and Kyle Busch Motorsports both had their final races um, in the series on Friday night, but I think the, the legacy of GMS is going to be, I, it sounds like Mike Beam is still going to run GMS Fabrication. So I thought GMS fabrication was going too, but it sounds like GMS fabrication is going to stay. So if that's the case and MHR is still a customer of, of 
uh, GMS fabrication, it sounds like that they're going to have some pretty good equipment over there next year because they're also going to have Daniel Dye, at least as a teammate to Christian Eckes. There could be a third truck there. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to pan out. We know Jake Garcia is leaving, but um, it sounds like on paper, MHR is going to have a pretty good stable with at least Eckes and Daniel Dye driving for him. And, um, you know, we'll see what, what, what transpires there. But a big win for Christian Eckes. I think it was a statement to show that he belonged to be in the championship for it, but he had a pretty good race too, so he did a good job. Big win for him. Um, lots of guys got some decent finishes in there. I know, um, what was it, Caden Honeycutt, I think, finished eighth in, in the Young's Motorsports 02 truck. So there's some guys up and down the field. If you look at the, 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 the race results, there's a lot of people in there that got some much-needed good finishes, um, and there was a lot of it guys that had really bad finishes grant Infinger, i know was was um you know kind of up there in a little bit trying to mix it up trying to get the win but you know at the end of the day he didn't quite get there um they were battling right to the finish you know it was it was a close battle between those two um you know to win the championship and to finish one spot short of where you need to be to win the championship is pretty damn frustrating if you are in grant Infinger's shoes but those two guys raced very hard for it and grant you know we don't know exactly what his 2024 plans are. I would assume that he's going to be with a truck team next year, but we just don't know which one. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's there's at least some openings out there. I mean, I don't think a reunion between Grand Enfinger and Thor Sport is totally off the table, but I don't think it's necessarily something that's on the table, uh, given their you know propensity to change organ uh, change manufacturers on the fly. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm assuming they're going to stay with Ford. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, there was a lot of rumors about Frankie Munez where Frankie was going to end up. There was a story that he's going to go to RSS Racing. Then RSS Racing comes out and, and says he's not signed with us. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Zane Smith runs his final race for, for front row. They kind of had a a not so great finish to that, but it sounds like the 38 truck will be back next year. Um, I know there were some questions about that. I think it, they're going to be back. I mean, my prediction is Brett Moffitt goes and drives that truck next year. I, I just, it makes too much sense given that they went out in their first race together with that 34 truck, which was a mixed mosh of people working on that truck to go out and win at Talladega. I, I think Brett would be the obvious choice because of sponsors and, and things um, you know, uh, freight auctions are, are part of, you know, front row and they've been with Brett before, um, and they've been with Brett after he left front row. So I think that would make the most, most sense, you know, for, for the team. And it would also make the most sense for Brett to go out and try to run, um, for front row, because I think that that team is, is, it's a pretty good truck team. I mean, you know, they've had some, they obviously won the championship with Zane Smith. They ran pretty good when Todd was in it. Todd Gilliland was in that truck and they, they were pretty competitive too. So, you know, this is a team that I think that if, if I'm Brett Moffitt and I'm looking at going back and wanting to win races, that's the perfect organization to go back to. Like that's the team I would go and say, Hey, I want to stay in the fold. I want to stay with Ford. I think they got some really good stuff. I'm going to go drive for front row. I have some sponsorship connections there with freight auctions and, um, see what happens. But I think, if I'm Brett Moffitt, that's what I go do. I don't I don't worry about going back to AM racing because that's going to be a poop show with Haley over there 
let them elevate that kid, Christian Rose, or do whatever the hell they're going to do over there and sign, or maybe sign some Wiley veteran Xfinity guy to compliment Haley. But I don't know who that is. You know, it's not like, it's not like Brandon Jones is available. It's not like Justin Algar is available. I mean, you don't really have any statesman type drivers that are out there that you'd say, Hey, you know, let's go get this driver off the bench. You know, you could elevate somebody like a Ty, Ty Majeski. You could elevate a Ben Rhodes. You could, I don't think Crafton would go, but I think, you know, you could turn around and say to Ben Rhodes, hey, you want to go and run Xfinity again, you know, and run a full season? That might be something that would be enticing. I think it would be more enticing to Ty Majeski only because Ty is kind of, you know, he's, I think that's what he wants to be. He wants to be on Xfinity. I think he wants to try to be on that road to get back into it or at least back into a shot at a cup car. Um, I don't know if he's really cup material time Majeski is, but he's at least a driver. You got to say, Hey, he's at least belongs in the truck series, possibly Xfinity. And if you put him in that 25 car next year, he might not be the, the worst thing that you, you could put in there. I just worry about the level of driver they're going to be able to get. If it's not time Majeski, you know, what are you going to compliment Haley Deegan with? Because, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, on the cup side of things, you need to have an A driver. You need to have that, like, perfect, really good veteran driver, like a Kyle. Like, RCR, I think it's 10 times better this year because they have Kyle Busch w- with them than if they didn't have Kyle and they just elevated Austin Hill. You know, I think if you have Austin Hill and Ty – I mean, not Ty Dillon, but you have Austin Hill and Austin Dillon as your cup pairing, that's not a great pairing. But Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon's a great pairing. And I think what's going to happen in 2025 over there at RCR, and again, this is not something that I'm saying is official, but if if Austin Hill came back next year to Xfinity, which he is, for the sheer reasoning of Austin Dillon maybe gave RC his word that maybe next year is Austin's last year driving a cup car, and maybe Austin and... Austin Hill and Austin Dillon flip-flop rides and Austin Dillon goes and runs Xfinity. He runs like maybe 10, 15 races and Austin Hill jumps in that, that cup car. They renumber it. Obviously it won't be the three, but they go and renumber that, that cup car. And let's say they renumber it to, I don't know, the 29 and bring that back and all that history. And you have Kyle Busch and Austin Hill in that series in that, in that pairing. I mean, that would be flipping phenomenal. Um, And I think that, that would that would make a lot of sense, um, you know. And then they got Jesse Love, who probably in four or five years, six years down the road, maybe. Yeah, he's a young kid. I mean, this is gonna, you know, he didn't run trucks, so he's gonna need a, a, I think, at least one to two years to get his feet under him in Xfinity before you can start saying, all right, Jesse Love could could be a Cup guy. You know, in like four or five years, Jesse Love might be the person that they tap to replace Kyle Busch with if Kyle decides it's time to retire. So I think we talk a lot about that in cup. You need to have an A driver. I think in Xfinity, having a veteran driver is a great mindset to have. You know, you look at JRM, all right? So JRM's got Justin Algar. He's like their anchor. He's like the guy that, you know, he's an anchor because he's got an anchor sponsor there in in Brandt, but he's also an anchor there because he's an anchor veteran presence so that when they go out and get a guy like a Sam Mayer in, they get a guy like uh, Noah Gragson in there. They get a driver like, um, you know, Chase Elliott in there. All these drivers that have gone through JRM 
have had Justin Allgaier as a teammate at some point or another. So Justin is like their, their Kevin Harvick, okay? And, you know, now they added Brandon Jones. And Brandon Jones is a great piece to have too financially, but he's also a great piece to have as a driver because he's been in the series a while. He knows a lot of these drivers that are coming up and coming in because him and Justin have raced against each other for a long time. And now that they've raced with each other for a while, you got two veteran guys at JRM. All right. Gibbs, all going to be brand new drivers to Gibbs next year. They're going to have Sheldon Creed. They're going to have um, Sam. I mean, not, not Sammy Smith's left. So he's going to go to uh, JRM. So JRM's got three, three solid veteran. Well, th two solid veterans and two returning second year drivers. So that's what they got. Uh, Gibbs is going to have Sheldon Creed, right? They're going to also have Chandler Smith, two drivers that are going to be back for uh, Creed's back for a third year and Chandler's back for a second year in Xfinity. Veteran drivers, okay? Their third car is probably going to be their star car, so it's probably going to be Ty Gibbs. It's probably going to be um, Denny Hamlin for his one race. It'll probably be Ryan Truex. There's talks about maybe Eric Amarola going over there. So if that's the case, then that, that star car is going to be really good next year. If Colleague does what we think they're going to do and they bring back AJ Allmendinger, that's a veteran presence, which is what you need in that Xfinity car, which right now, if they don't do that, they have none. The only thing that they could do that would help them out with the veteran presence is put Ty Dillon in that 16 Xfinity car, which if it was up to me, that's what I would do. I would I would rather put Ty Dillon in the Xfinity series and see what Ty Dillon can do in that car versus throwing him in a cup car and know that he's going to run 25th every week. You know, that's the difference in this scenario. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Cole Custer, Ryan Herbst back for Stuart Hodge Racing. Very, very good pairing. That's going to be a dy uh, dynamic pairing next year. I think that's going to be a veteran uh, team that's going to – you know, those are possibly two of your final four right there. And you throw Allgaier in there, and you got room for maybe one other driver for that final four. And you got, like, five or six drivers that could be in there. So it's it's going to be balls to the walls next year, I think, in Xfinity. It's going to be very, very competitive. You know, it, it could really come down to Stuart Haas and JRM next year for the championship. It really could. Like, if you, you want a way too early prediction, that, that could be the championship four right there. It could be... Cole Custer, Riley Herbst, uh, Justin Allgaier, and Sam Mayer. That could be the championship four right there. And imagine that championship four. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many scenarios Cole Custer would come out as your champion in, but okay, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it it was just a, a crazy race on Friday night for Ben to win, and then Saturday. I mean, my God, what what that? You know, that was that was perfect. Final restart, four wide for the championship. Algaier looked like he had a shot at it. Sam Mayer was going for it. And then out of all the mess, here comes Cole Custer into turn one and two, and he just drives away from everybody, and that was it. You know, it was like sayonara. And uh, Cole Custer goes out and gets his third win of the season, his first ever NASCAR Xfinity Series championship, and his third Final Four appearance, uh, or Champ Four appearance, what they're calling it. Um, so a big championship win for Cole. And, and Cole's a great kid. I mean, I've... 
I've met Cole a few times. He's phenomenal in the garage area. He's very down to earth, laid back. He's a really good kid. Um, and, and you're happy when good guys win championship and, and, and we feel good for Cole and, uh, happy for him. Um, you know, after, after a rough couple of years in cup, I mean, he went out and won that race at Kentucky. That was a kind of, you know, you go back and watch that Kentucky restart in 2020, uh, and compare it to the Phoenix restart and kind of see where that move came from. I'm just saying, um, you know, cold, cold made a hell of a move up there late in that race in Kentucky and stole a victory. And, uh, while it's his lone cup win, um, he comes out and wins a truck, uh, you know, uh, an Xfinity championship and wins three, uh, three races this year. And, um, you know, he's, he's got what, 11 or 12 career wins, I think in, in Xfinity overall, something like that, at least maybe 15. It's crazy. The number the guy's got, and he's back in that car next year. So Stuart Haas is, is going to be locked and loaded. Riley Herbst had finally got the monkey off his back. He won that race at Las Vegas. So big win for him this year. And he's been fast everywhere else. So Stuart Haas looks really good for next year. And then uh, I think you look at, you know, the next group down um, from there. And you just look at people that could be in the chance, you know, could be in the playoffs. And, you know, I think we got to be careful with, you know, guys that are going to be coming in. Like Jesse Love, I'm going to say he's probably not going to be in the mix next year for, for playoffs. Because, um, you know, Sheldon struggled his first year in that car. Um I think Austin Hill is going to be in the mix, but you know, the thing with Austin Hill is he's, he's really good at the plate tracks and he's been good at the other tracks too. I mean, he won at Phoenix in the spring. He's, he's been good at other places. It, it's, it's just like, I, I think they need to kind of get it together though. I think they need to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together and have a really good like run in the playoffs, because I think that was like kind of the one thing that kind of hurt him this year. And I, and you know, what really helped him was, um, you know, what really helped him this year, I think, was just the fact that, you know, Ty Gibbs wasn't in the series, you know, Ty was in cup, and there was just extra wins on the table this year. Now, next year, the opposite's going to happen. You're going to have guys that are going to be in really good cars, and I think what's what's going to suck some of those wins away and those opportunities away is, is those seven wins that John Hunter Nemechek had are going to go to guys that are joining Gibbs. So like, I think Sheldon Creed gets a win next year or maybe two or maybe seven. Um, I definitely see Chandler Smith going out and winning a, at least a race or two next year. So now that's, if you say Creed wins two, you say, you know, Chandler wins two or three. Now you're, you're still maybe two to four wins that are up in the air. Well, you know, where those four wins are going to go. If this deal with Colleague is actually true, AJ Almendinger comes back to Xfinity, you know AJ's gonna win races too. So it's it's gonna it's gonna make it a little bit harder. And then you don't know what Sam Mayer is gonna do. Like Sam won a couple of races this year. Does he go out and win four or five or six races? And then you have Cole Custer, and then you have, you know, Riley Herbst. And you know, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, you know, how's a a guy like Jesse Love going to come on the scene and, and win a race because there's going to be so many good Xfinity guys. And then you're still going to have cup guys that are going to come down and run their five Xfinity races. You know? You know, like, you're still going to have guys like, I'm assuming you're going to have guys like Josh Berry that's going to come down and, and try to dip down and run some races. 
probably, you know, I, I would assume that that's what, I mean, I feel like that's what Stuart Haas needs to do is to create a third star car and call it what, get whatever number that lowest number out there that you can get, whether it's the five or the, you know, bring out the 99 or, or go, go through the BJ McLeod's, um, you know, ownership uh, numbers and, and try to go figure out which one you can acquire and make that your car. Bring back the 98. <laughs> no, no, not bring back the 98. Bring back, you know, something, something like the 41 or go find a number that you could use or bring in the 14 or something and make that your star car. Make that the car that you put Chase Briscoe in, that you put Josh Berry in, that you put Noah Gragson in if he's the driver of the 10 car. Let those guys go out and get some races and get extra practice if that's what you can do. Um, I've also said, you know, I think Ford made a big mistake when they got rid of the development car. You know, they had the 60 car. The 60 car, I'll go real quick on this. Roush Fenway was not the right place to be doing the development car. The development car should have been at Stuart Haas or it should have been at Team Penske. And I think Penske's still got Xfinity cars in his shop. I would make a deal at Roger Penske, Penske tomorrow if I was in charge of Ford Performance and make a deal and say, hey, listen, we are going to put our Ford drivers in your car, whether it's your cup guys that need more or like an extra chance to race on sun, on Saturday. And I'm not talking about Brad Keselowski. I'm not talking about Joey Logano. I'm not talking about Blaney. Don't put their guys in there because all their guys are, are really good. But like Austin Sindrick needs to go back and run some Xfinity races. Chase Briscoe needs to go back and run some Xfinity races to build their confidence. Throw Noah Gregson in there. Throw a driver like Chris Buescher in there. Bring up a guy like a Ben Rhodes. Bring up a guy like a Ty Majeski. Make that car a star car, but also use it to help build confidence of your drivers that are struggling in a cup car right now. And give them a chance and a platform with a Penske-built Xfinity car to go out and win for races on Saturday because racing is mental too. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget and why guys like to go out and get reps in lower series. It's a mental game. That's why Kyle Busch has always gone out and run on Friday and Saturdays is because it's a mental game. If he knows what the track's going to do, yes, the cars are different. The trucks are different. The tires are different, you know, there's a lot of things that are different, but Kyle Busch likes doing that because there's A, not a lot of practice time anymore. B, there is not a lot of opportunities to do this anymore. And C, it costs a hell of a lot of money to go do these things. So I think what, what Ford needs to do, and I think other teams need to adopt this policy too, is to look at internally at what we can do to maybe make a star car for our Xfinity team so that we can develop crew members, develop the next car chief, the next crew chief, the next whatever. And that's why powerhouse teams like Gibbs do this. You know, Colleague is doing it. RCR is not doing it. You know, teams like HMS now, you know, Hendrick goes out and creates a, a 17 car. They take an old Gen 6 cup car, they convert it into the Xfinity car, which is very simple to do for a big team like Hendrick Motorsports. And now what do they do? They go out and they do exactly what I just described. They go out and they bring in Alex Bowman. They bring in Chase Elliott. They bring in Kyle Larson. And now what they did this year, which was totally different, is they went out and they brought in other drivers to go run a couple of races. So they put Boris Edden in the cart at the Roval. He fails to qualify to make the race. I, don't, I still don't know how the hell you do that if you're Boris. But, um, but anyhow, 
Um, you put Raja Karuth in that car, and Raja ran pretty good in that car. So those are the types of things that good organizations do. And I think Ford, if they really want to start chipping away at what Toyota and Chevrolet have, they have to do something like this. This is not something that can be pushed off. But I, but but getting back to where this is going to hurt the Xfinity series is it's going to make it harder if you have more of these kinds of star teams come out of the woodworks. It makes it harder on the Xfinity guys to go out and get wins. But if you're really going to Xfinity and you could beat the Cup guys, then maybe you should be in a Cup seat. Just saying. Then we had Sunday. I mean, Sunday, I could, again, go on and spend and do a whole podcast. What we're going to do is going to take one last break here on the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Ryan Blaney capturing his first career NASCAR Cup Series championship while not winning the race. The first time that's happened in over a decade. This is the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast hosted by Bobby Bailey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Bobby here from the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. Just want to let you guys know that you can go check out all the latest race news, race recaps, entry lists, point standings, whatever you guys are looking for. It's all on our website, thecrewchief.net. Check it out. We update it as often as we can. We have, like I said, entry list on there. There's race recaps. There's uh, point standings. You want to find out what, what sponsor your favorite driver has this weekend. All the latest news and information is right there on thecrewchief.net. Um, it is your portal to the world of NASCAR news, and uh, be sure to check it out. Once again, that's thecrewchief.net. You can even listen to the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast right on the website. Check it out, guys. All right, guys, we are back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. We are going to break down Sunday's Championship 4 race, a very exciting finish to the championship race uh phoenix has been boring over the last few years i mean i think most people that listen to this podcast would agree with me it's been very boring it's not the most exciting racetrack to be having a championship race at and i don't think the answer is straight up do uh homestead for now until the end of time i think what we need to do is it needs to be a rotation but we'll get into that in a couple minutes here so ryan Wayne goes out and wins his first uh nascar cup series championship it is uh, the second year in a row that Team Penske has won the Drivers' Championship. They won it last year, obviously, with Joey Logano. So a big championship back-to-back uh, -back year there for Team Penske. This time, Ryan Blaney capturing the championship. And honestly, probably silent, silences a lot of the the haters of of Ryan Blaney, which I know there's, there's people out there um, that just aren't Ryan Blaney fans. And it happens. They all have detractors. What can I say? Um, but Blaney, you know, um, really has been, you know, to some, <clears throat> Kyle Petty, has been underperforming. And I think this year his three wins at three very different types of racetracks speaks volumes to Ryan's career and how he has grown over the last couple seasons. He got a very big win at um, uh, Charlotte earlier this year at the Coke 600. He has shown up at some places where he absolutely had to like, you know, that win at Martinsville was absolutely uh must win walk off style win. And to back that up this week with a big second place finish and probably probably had the car to beat. It was just that, you know, Ross Chastain just knows how to block and that's what it comes down to sometimes. So a big win for Ryan, uh, obviously a career defining moment. 
uh, something that will probably be attached to him for the rest of his life. And, you know, no matter what happens, I think Ryan Blaney is going to be in the discussion as a Hall of Fame member. I, and I, I hate to say that, but that's just the precedent that they've set. You know, if you win a cup championship, you are likely going to be headed to the Hall of Fame. And it seems like that's what's going to happen with Blaney. And, and you know, we'll see what the other accolades end up being when he's done racing in the Cup Series. Um, but it sounds like Ryan Blaney's going to end up in the Hall of Fame at some point. So um, kudos to him on that. But, you know, I think when you – and I don't know that's way too early to say something like that. But, I mean, just look at the precedent that they've set with champions and going in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think you look at a guy like um, – you know, Ryan and, and, you know, a lot of people ask, well, who who's you remind you of? Like, I don't think he really reminds me of any driver in particular because he's kind of a little bit of everybody. I mean, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Mark Martin when it comes to the way he races people. He's not overly aggressive. Uh, I know he bumped, you know, Chastain on the track, but I think that was just because Ross was just being an idiot. You know, he, Ross Chastain on the I don't give an F tour um, was back for one final race this year. Um, but I think Ryan Blaney is just, you know, he's a little bit of everybody. He's like, he's like a little bit of Mark Martin, a little bit of Kevin Harvick, a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, Larson at times, you know, he could be like that. He could be a guy that could go out and dominate a race. Um, and there's times where, you know, he goes out and he's like 15th, you know, so, and Larson does that too. So, um, yeah, he's got a little weird mix of a little bit of everybody. He's not one driver I could sit there and say like, oh yeah, he's like Harry Gann or he's like this guy or he's like that guy. Like he's a little bit of a bunch of drivers, but Blaney is, um, you know, gonna, gonna now go on his tour. He's on his tour actually, as we speak, he's on his, uh, worldwide tour. And, uh, I know he was in New York city, did a couple shows. He was on like live with Kelly and, and Mark or whatever the hell that show's called now. I think that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a, a whole media tour and then, you know, champions week, I believe is next week. I want to say is champions week down at Nashville. He's going to be taking care of that. Um, obviously they're in Nashville and thank God they're not in Las Vegas. Cause F1 is there right now. That would have been a mess, but, um, <laughs> I'm sure they would have figured all that out. They probably would have done it like the week after or some shit, but, um, but anyhow, it's, 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 um, it's big, you know, when you look at Blaney and his career, um, you know, he hasn't had a ton of huge moments, you know, he's, he's had wins. Um, you know, he didn't really win a championship when he was down in Xfinity and, you know, he got the Wood Brothers 99th career win at Pocono in 2017, you know, as his first cup win, he's had moments, but this is a defining moment for Ryan Blaney. And let's hope that this is a defining moment and a pivotal moment in his career where now we start to see more of that quote unquote potential that certain people haven't seen. But he was very, you know, very Ryan Blaney-esque. He was very upset on the radio about how his car was driving. He was complaining, which a lot of these guys do. I mean, they all do it. I, I don't care. You get flipped through all the channels. There's guys that bitch about their car or their pit crew or, or something every single lap of the race anyhow. So Ryan Blaney's not different than anybody there. But, you know, he goes out and he uh, gets a job done. His crew uh, kind of <laughs> his crew almost threw the championship away. But uh, he picked him up. He got out there. He drew, drove around Kyle Larson there in that last uh, restart. And um, there was really nothing Larson could do. And, and and unlike other races at Phoenix with this next-gen car, specifically last you know year or two, um, this particular race wasn't get out front and that's it. So they did something 
with the tire, I heard. Uh, at Martinsville, and they did the same thing with the tire at Phoenix. And whatever the hell they did these last two weeks, this tire has helped the package. And I know they're going to be testing this package in a couple weeks. Like after Thanksgiving, they're going to go right back out to Phoenix. I mean, you have other tracks you can go take this car to, but you know they're using Martinsville for an uh, an electric car test. We'll get into that. Oh, there's a lot of people that are foaming about that already. Um, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so they're going to go test this package out at Phoenix. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of other places they could go. But, um, you know, we'll see. You know, I think the tire has something to do with it. I think the gearing of the transmissions have something to do with it. And what I mean by the gearing is, you know, they're able to shift. Like, I think the ability to shift at a short track should not be an option. I'm okay with it at like a... At like like Vegas, Texas, you know, Nashville Super Speedway, things like that, I'm okay with. I just don't think shifting belongs at a place like Dover, a place like Bristol, a place like Richmond. Uh, you should not be able to shift at those kinds of places. But a place like a Pocono, like I'm okay with that. That's fine. I mean, the guys used to shift at Pocono back in the day, anyhow. So those are things I'm okay with. I'm not okay with shifting at, at Richmond. I'm not okay with sh shifting at Dover. It should not be a thing. So it's just my two cents. Um, but we'll see what happens there. The race, like I said, was actually the most entertaining next gen, gen seven, whatever you want to call it, race at Phoenix in this car's very short history. So that should say something. The one thing I would I would put a caveat on is that this car is still not delivering what most fans want it to do, which is create exciting racing. It What creates exciting racing at Phoenix is the restarts. It has nothing to do with this next-gen car. It is the restarts that create the excitement. And unfortunately, unless you have late-race restarts at Phoenix, you are not going to have an exciting race. What made this race exciting this time around was the tire had a little more fall-off, and there was comers and goers. Guys could drive through the field. If you had a good car, you can get around somebody and you can go out and win the position. And that's what they need more of. Not to go the opposite way. So, like I said, for Blaney, first championship, second championship in a row for Roger Penske. Four NASCAR Cup Series championships now for Roger. Obviously, one from Brad, two from Joey, and now one from Ryan Blaney. The 2, the 12, and the 22 have all won championships. And it was also Kevin Harvick's final NASCAR Cup Series race of his full-time career, a career that started way back on February of 2021 after we lost Dale Earnhardt. He drove the number 29 car that day. Ironically, the driver that won the pole at Richmond, I mean, at, I'm sorry, not Richmond, at uh, Rockingham after Dale died was the 24 of Jeff Gordon. The winner of that race was the number one of Steve Park. On Sunday, the winner of the NAS of the Cup Series poll was William Byron in the number 24. The guy that won the race was the number one of Ross Chastain. Little tidbit there. And the thing that I just learned yesterday was the driver that won the Bush race uh at Rockingham was the double zero. Okay, so that would have been Maybe, was that Jay? No, it wasn't Jason Leffler. Damn it, now I got to look it up. But the driver that finished second was the two, which was driven by Kevin Harvick. At Phoenix, the driver 
Someone's making a funny. Uh, at Phoenix, the winner of the Xfinity race was Cole Custer in the double zero. And the driver of the number two, which finished second, like it did on Saturday in 2021 at Rockingham, was Sheldon Creed. So a little interesting tidbit on Kevin Harvick's final race. Kevin Harvick, obviously known as the closer, also called Happy Harvick for most of his career. A spectacular career, a first ballot Hall of Fame type career. The NASCAR Cup Series champion of twenty of 2014. He also won two Bush Series championships. I believe it was 2006 and 2001, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Multiple-time winner in Xfinity, multiple-time winner in the Truck Series. KHI team owner for many, many years. Won, uh, I believe, one truck championship, at least with Ron Hornaday. I don't know if they ever won an owner's championship with the Xfinity program. They might have with that 33, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. But um, a very celebrated career for Kevin. Um, Sad to see him go. I mean, he's the last guy that really links that Winston Cup era to today. Um, And, uh, yeah, he's going to be missed. But he's going to be at the Fox booth. You're going to get to hear him the first half of next year. And it sounds like the 2025 media deal is is wrapping up. It sounds like Fox is definitely going to be back next uh, in this new deal. It sounds like NBC wants back in. And no surprise to me, but surprise to everybody else out there, Amazon Prime is going to have six races starting in 2025. So if you haven't bought Prime yet, you might got to start thinking about it. Because they're going to have six races in the summer. They're going to have the old TNT uh, spot that FS1 took over in this current deal that we have today. So, yeah, it sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun. I don't know what's going to happen with the truck series. I haven't heard much. I want to say Fox is looking at renewing that. Um, But, yeah. You know, I want to address a couple things that news-wise, and we're going to talk about a couple things that I saw. So a lot of people were complaining about Fox's lack of the broadcast team being at the racetrack. Newsflash. The broadcast team for the Formula One races has never been at the racetrack. Okay. ESPN has the USF1 you know, deal, right? They don't even have a broadcast crew. What they do is they pay Sky Sports to broadcast in the US the Sky Sports European feed. That's what they broadcast. <laughs> so for those of you people out there that want to complain about FS1 being at the studio in Charlotte, be thankful that Fox even has broadcasters because there are some people out there that go out and get a media deal and determine that, eh, you know, we are not going to hire commentators for F1. We're just going to get somebody else to do it for us. Could be worse. Um, the 10 p.m. start time is totally 1,000% on NASCAR. It's not on FS1. It's a, you know, what do you want them to do? Put the race on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? And then the, the, out west, then there would be people that would complain about how hot it is and this and that. You know, I learned a long time ago there's no pleasing everybody. And NASCAR fans complain more than basically any other fan base I've ever seen. Um so, so the one thing I have to say to all of you is that 
start to understand time zones. I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I knew the race was on 10 o'clock at night. I was like, okay, that's fine. You, you have a lot of things that can help you out. You have a DVR that can record the race, and then you could watch it the next day whenever you want. You can figure out when the race replays are on your, on your TV. Okay. There's, there's a lot of ways to figure out how to watch that race at another time. Sometimes they get uploaded to YouTube as well. So it's not NASCAR's fault that they wanted to do this race in Phoenix. Now, if they ran the race at home center, ran it at 10 o'clock at night, then you might have some beef. But because they're at West, you don't really got beef. You're just mad that it's 10 o'clock at night because you want to be in bed early because you're an old person. Can't really help you there. I don't know how you watch a lot of TV anyhow because a lot of, a lot of the good shows are on late at night anyhow. So I don't know, you know what you guys do with like your regular TV, you know, stuff, but I used to DVR races. I don't have a DVR really to use now, so I really don't, but <laughs> you figure it out, you know, you just do. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so there's that, there's a lot of people that are upset about, um, the playoff format. You know, I don't know if there's really a perfect way to do it because, and it kind of goes back to what I just said. I, I think overall NASCAR fans do not like change. And it's, I get it. People hate change in life, right? You hate that if, you know, your next door neighbor paints their house a different color, you're going to hate it because it's not the color it used to be. Okay. There are people like that in this world. So unfortunately, the thing that NASCAR has got to stop doing and, and Tom at, at Seriously Fast Motorsports hit this nail right on the head, 100%. Is NASCAR's going to stop catering to the fan that doesn't watch the sport and goes on and bitches about it on their social media pages because that's not your fan. Your fan is someone that watches this sport every single week. Maybe the fan that doesn't watch every single race, but the fan that does pay attention to every race, knows what's going on, you know, goes through media, uh, platforms to figure out what's going on with their favorite driver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the fan that you need to go after. That's the fan that you need to put your money behind. That's the fan you need to get to know because unfortunately these people that want to claim they're, they're a NASCAR fan and haven't been to a track in 20 years and the fans that haven't been in the stands in 10, that's not your fan base. That's not the fan base. This is your fan base that watches every week, that goes to races, that spends money on driver gear, that's your fan. The fan that claims they are, are not a fan, but claims that NASCAR died when Dale died. Well, why did 50% of the tracks sell out this year if NASCAR died when Dale died? Um, I'm not going to watch a race when they go EV. Oh, really? Oh, really now? What, what are you going to do when EV is the only option you have to buy a car? in some states in 2035 or a hybrid. What are you gonna do when you can't buy an ICE car anymore? Not drive? You're gonna take mass transit all of a sudden? I highly doubt that. So what I'm saying is NASCAR's gotta stop catering to the fan that hasn't watched them in 20 years and it's just on social media bitching about it because if you go to that person's profile, guess what? They complain about everything else in life. They complain when their food comes out mediocre warm. They complain when they're you know, when they don't, it, you know, the, the lottery doesn't fall their way. 
That's the fan you can't pay attention to. You got to pay attention to the people that go to the track all the time. That go. I mean, I'm not talking about the fans that go to every single race because there are people that do that. I'm talking about the fans that go to a couple races a year, watch the majority of the races, pay attention, stay up on it. There are a core base of fans that do this, and there are a lot of ways you can get new fans. Like all these people are bitching about the, the L.A. Coliseum race. They don't understand the point of the L.A. Coliseum race. It's not to get the existing fan to go out to LA. It's to tap into a market like Los Angeles that has very little NASCAR fans and get 50 to 60,000 people to go there, get butts in a seat to watch the product. And what happens? They watch the product and then all of a sudden they come back and, and they buy a ticket for next year. And they buy a ticket for the year after that. And then they buy a ticket for the year after that. That's what NASCAR is trying to do. They're trying to continue to build the fan base. Why do they want to go international? They know there's markets in Canada, in Mexico, in Europe that they haven't really tapped into to bring up an actual race to. That's what they want to do. I can't fault them for that. If you want to complain about that, then there's the door. Get out. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel about it. You want to bet you complain that NASCAR is building an EV vehicle? Get out. Like, it's at the end of the day, we all love racing. We all want people to to sit there and watch and watch a sport that we all love. But if you have nothing to do but complain about the sport you that we love, then get the hell out. Just I'm I'm done with it. There's too many things to be worried about in this world than to be worried about. Well, you know the playoff format isn't the way it should be. Well, what if they changed it? You're going to complain about it too. What about the people that were complaining back in 2003 about Matt Kenseth winning a championship, winning just one race? Then what happened? We changed the format. Everyone didn't like that format. So what did NASCAR do? They changed the format. Nobody liked that format. What did they do? Change that format. Now everyone's pissed off at this format. What are they probably going to do? Change the format again. What do you want this time? You want three races to decide the championship? What do you, I mean, there are fans that are never going to be happy. And I'm sorry, it's just not, it's just, there's no way of pleasing these people. And NASCAR has got to stop catering to them. They're not the ones that you need to cater to. I like the playoff format. I like stage races. I like the excitement it has created. I understand it's quote unquote manufactured excitement, but guess what? Every other ball stick in sport has done manufactured things. Okay. Everybody's done it. Why do you think there's a pitch clock now in baseball? The shorten the game up. Baseball games take forever. Now they're playing a baseball game in under three hours. That was unheard of 10 years ago. Unheard of. It happens every night now. There are tons of sports that are doing what NASCAR has done, reinventing themselves, making things more exciting. What in the hell did the NFL do in the last 20 years? They made it more of a passing league, right? Defense wins championships. We all know that when it comes to football. But what did they do? They have made the rules so that the offensive side of the ball can get the football down the field. There's more pass interference penalties called. There's more everything called now because it's all revolving around the quarterback. And it's all revolving around the offense. 
That's what the NFL did because they they realize that people don't want to go out and watch a nine to six football game. They want to see a forty two to forty one slugfest between Kansas City and the Buffalo Bills. That's what they want to watch. But there's still football fans out there that flip and complain about the nine to six game. <laughs> you can't have your cake and eat it too. So what I'm saying is to you NASCAR fans that are out there that are listening to this podcast today. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't complain about the chase, then complain about how boring the goddamn race was at the road course when they took away the stage races, which is what everybody was complaining about on social media, right? Oh my God, they took away the stage races. This is going to be great. Guess what? Everybody complained about how flipping boring it was. So you can't have it both ways. And this is why NASCAR's ass hop catering to these fans like this. Because you can't give to any, you can't give in to every little, you know, thing they want. You know, hey, you know, it would be a great idea to go dirt racing. Goes out and does dirt racing. It's horrible. What did they do? They they attempted it. Now the attempt wasn't great, but the intent was there. You know, it, it's just mind boggling, mind boggling. I hate to end the podcast on that kind of a note because I, I feel like now people are going to be like, what the hell is he doing? But that's basically all I got for this week. Um, <laughs> we talked about the hot news of the week, you know, tied into the 16, still waiting on the 10 news and uh, a bunch of truck stuff has been confirmed. Bunch of Xfinity stuff has been confirmed. Don't have enough time to go through all that, but you can find it on the page, on the Facebook page. We'll try to do some podcasts over the off season. I can't guarantee every week. We'll probably do something like every other week. So, until next time, we'll probably be after Thanksgiving. Uh, until next time, this is the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Thanks for listening to the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media. Facebook, at The Crew Chief. On Twitter, at The Crew Chief. Instagram, at Crew Cheese Corner. TikTok, at Crew Chiefs Corner. And on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.